why we're here today. Because there's hope that we don't have to stay the way we are. That you love us so much. That you make us beautiful. That you work so kindly and diligently. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We sense that you're here today. That you're alive. We come open and ready to hear from you. Jesus, I'm just a human, but I so want people to hear, hear from you through me. And I say, please come, Holy Spirit. I pray that each heart today will hear from you, that they'll feel hope in the deepest parts of their soul and joy, joy that only comes from you. You can't make it up. We ask these things in your precious and kind and loving name. That was awesome. Thanks. I think I need this, but I don't actually know. Okay. Jamie uses his fancy iPad, and I'm using my journal. Okay. And little weights. Thanks, Jamie. Sometimes I make things a little more difficult than they need to be. Okay. I want to look at you and see who I'm speaking to today. There's my friends. So when Jamie came home, I think it was in October, and he's like, so I think I have the theme for Advent this year, and I think it's going to be joy. And I was like, yes, yes. Like something in my soul was like, yes. It was kind of um, in the time when uh, before the election, and I was like, when people are feeling anxious, when our world is feeling depressed, when we feel like things are out of control, when we feel... Um, we look around and we see so many people are depressed and alone. I'm like, yes, this is what I want us to focus on. This is what the church needs to be saying. The church, not Pullman Foursquare. The church needs to be saying joy in the midst of it, hope. So I'm like stuck in my thoughts. I'm like, yes, this is so great. We need to do this. And he's like, okay. And he's like, will you speak one of the weeks in Advent? And before my brain caught up with my mouth, I said, yes, I will. And then I was like, what have I? done. What have I done? So here I am. Here I am today. So I started thinking about the idea of joy, and I realized it kind of had been on the theme or the thought or the focus. It kind of been on my brain for a while. It kind of been floating in and out, and I thought, I think it started, but I don't remember really, because I'm not as young as I used to, but I think that it started um, when we went to conference. So Jamie and I went to conference the end of May. You send us every year we go hang out with thousands of basically lead pastors, Foursquare lead pastors from all over the world, and we hang out with missionaries from all over the world. And um, you guys might not get why this is a big deal, but we get to just go and be people. Like, we just get to be ourselves. We get to worship. We don't lead anything. We don't. This might sound horrible, but we don't. We don't pray for anybody. We're just there for us, for me. And we just get to worship and listen and take down notes, and we can 
early if we want. We can show up late if we want. This drives our supervisor crazy. How many pastors come late? He's like, you guys get so annoyed with your congregation and you're always late. I think that's so funny. But we're like, I never get to come late to church. This is awesome. So I wanted to say, though, I always want to say thank you for sending us. I know it's thousands of dollars, but thank you for sending us. We need it so much. So this year they said, people were like, there's like this little rumor going around, Margaret Feinberg is going to speak. And I'm like, I've never heard of Margaret Feinberg. And everyone's like, have you read her books? And I'm like, I've never heard of her. So there's kind of like this little rumor and people are kind of excited. Margaret Feinberg's going to speak. So I, I personally love it when women speak, like a little bit more than men, just because maybe because I'm a woman, I don't know, connect on like a different level. They talk about emotions. And I'm like, oh, I'm with you. So I was really excited. And she was at the end, because I don't know why women are usually at the end. But so we waited and she spoke. And she said, um, God speaks to me in things. God speaks to me in words. And I'm like, oh, I'm in. That's me too. Me too. Like God will give me like, right now you're just talk about speaking life. Right now it's going to be I need you to learn how to be an emotionally and spiritually healthy person. So we take the journey, Jamie and I, for a year of figuring out what that means. She's like, God gave me joy. And he like dropped it. He said, Margaret, your journey is going to be joy. And she's like, she's a little bit much. She's a fireball. So she's like, yeah, journey with joy. I'm not quite like that. And um, so she started like this journey with joy. And um, she started writing her newest book. And she started all of her thoughts and then into it. Five weeks into it, six weeks, I don't remember, um, she got a call and they said, you have breast cancer. And she was like, what? And um, she said she realized that God and his kindness had been preparing her even though she didn't know it and had put that word in there for her so that she would be ready. And um, she shared that she had an entirely scrapper book. Like, she's like, I knew nothing about joy. She's like, I had to totally throw out the thing and start all over again. And she shared her story with cancer. She's a fabulous, engaging speaker. If you ever have a chance to hear her, I highly recommend it. I loved it. Um, and she shared her story with breast cancer. And um, and I, I mostly remembered what she said, but I'll just be honest. I hate stories about cancer. Like, they're not my favorite. Like, Angie once said, you want to read this book? It's about cancer. I'm like, mm, no, thanks. Like, no, not really. Um, Jamie's had cancer. I don't, I, it's just too close. So, um, so I listened and I listened, but I was like, ugh, I don't know if I want to read her book. But Jamie was like, I want you to speak on joy. And something in my head was like, I got to get that book. I got to read that book. See what she says. So I ordered the book two days later. Thank you, Amazon. I had the book and three days later I had it read. And I remember thinking as I was reading it and I would say this, like I couldn't get my brain around it. I'm like, so I'm reading this book on joy, I tell Jamie, and it's so sad. It's like so sad. Like I'm trying to process this. I think I said it to Emma. I said it to my running partner. We're running. I'm like, so I'm reading this new book because I'm always reading a book. She's probably like, okay, what are you reading now? So I'm reading this book and it's on joy. I'm like, it is. It's so sad. Like I'm just like trying to get my brain around this. I'm not, I don't even really like it. I'm like, it's really hard. It's really sad. And I, I kind of began to realize through her story this is nothing new, but that joy comes from suffering. And I didn't really like it very much. <laughs> and um, I've been sitting in church, that's where I sit, these last few weeks as Jamie's talked about joy. And I felt like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, would you like to pray for more joy? 
Like, would you just like to sit through this season, right? Do you just want to come here and sit? You've heard two sermons now. Would you like to pray for more joy? And I was like, no. I'm just being honest. I was like, no, I I actually don't. People in the church are going through enough hard things right now. No, I I don't really want to. And uh, I was sitting at home beginning to prepare for the message. And the passage that came into my head, if you've been in the church, you've probably heard it. This is a cool thing when you've read the Bible so many times. Like God just can kindly put verses into your into your mind and into your heart. So this is um this was James one two through four. You're probably not surprised. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I like perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I was like, I would love to be mature and not lacking anything. I don't really like trials. Let's be honest, Jesus. I don't want breast cancer. Do you know how many women have had breast cancer? I don't want it. Um, I don't really want a marriage that goes sideways. I don't. And okay, I'm, I'm telling Jesus now. I'm like, okay, let's be honest, Jesus. I don't even like it when someone's mad at me, right? That's the kind of person I am. I don't even like that. That's like a tiny trial. Okay, so our neighbor goes speeding through our driveway, I mean, through our neighborhood, and there's kids out there playing. And I go, and I can be pretty diplomatic and pretty kind, and pretty, you know, I've got those skills. And I ask him if he'd please drive a little slower because I'm afraid he's going to kill one of the kids. I don't think I said it like that, but I said it really well. And he was mad at me. He was mad at me, and I, I didn't like it. I'm like, do you remember that, Jesus? I don't learn those skills. I don't think my parents taught me those skills very well. And um, and I don't want to pray for that. So I was sitting on my couch preparing, and I felt like Jesus was like, don't you think your world needs joy? Don't you really, really want that? Isn't that what you really want? Don't you want your kids to have joy? Don't you want your marriage to be like a super joyful place? Don't you want to, like, show up with your family and offer joy to your friends? Don't you really want it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I do. Like, I I really do. It's what I want. I feel like it's what God's really offering us. So I sat there, and I was challenged to pray in a way by a spiritual director that I haven't done before. And they challenge you to pray like you see Jesus as an actual person sitting there. So I'm praying. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So I'm praying and I'm seeing Jesus as an actual person, as a man. It's really different. But yet, God, it's super um, emotional and, like, real. You can't hide. You're just like, and so I'm like, okay, Jesus. Like, this is what really happened. I'm like, I, I trust you. I I trust you. I mostly trust you. 90%. Like, we'll just be honest. I, I'm, I'm not much of a 100% person usually. I 90% trust you. I want more joy. I really, really do. I was I was reminded of something we did we've done here at the church twice. I love it. Um, we as the women two times once at a retreat we wrote words for each other, like this is how I see you, this is how I think of you. So beautiful. And then another time at one of my ladies' groups at Sherry's house we wrote words for each other, and these are my words. And I'm a word person. Like this was years ago. I remember these. These are my words. They said I was a doer. Thanks. I'm capable. I'm practical. The nice one was I'm a teacher. That was nice. Thanks, Angie. Um, peaceful. 
I was like, that's the one I like. Thank you. Peaceful. Beverly said I was an extrovert. I thought she was wrong, but turns out she's very right. I was like, I am not an extrovert. I took the Myers-Briggs. Yeah, I am. So take it to your friends. But okay, so think about it. What would people say about you? They say, she's a doer. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. Thanks, friends. She's capable. I was like, you know what I really want my words? This is what I want you guys when you see. This is what I want my words to be. She's grateful. She's so grateful. She's brave. I'd love that to be like, you think of me, you're like, oh, she's so brave. She's kind. Heidi is so peaceful. She's loving, joyful. Wouldn't you like that? That'd be the first word that somebody, when you think, oh, she's so joyful. And um, I read this quote and I wanted to share it with you. I, I love it. So can you put that one up there, Simon? This is my first quote. I love words. So quotes to me are like gifts. Now I know that the best thing that I can offer this world is not my force or energy, what, but a well-tended spirit, a wise and brave soul. That's who I want to be. I want to have a well-tended spirit, a wise and brave soul. That takes so much work. It's by Shauna Nyquist. Plug for her. She is one of my favorite authors. I have read all of her books. This one just came out. This one's called Present Over Perfect. I devour them. I thought of it. This is how her word, this is her work for me. It's like chocolate for my soul. So that's Shauna's Nyquist writing for me. I love it. Um, and I just wanted to say this while I have you all here. I loaned one of her books out. It's called Bread and Wine. And I can't remember who I loaned it to. I really want it back. So if it was you, I'd like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. They're all here. And I keep asking and I'm going to have to buy it if I don't get it. So I just thought, oh, this is perfect. So. In this world, people are hungry. This is what I see. People are hungry for peace in the midst of their anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety in this world. People are desperate for joy in the midst of depression. Um, and I realized something, that we have learned a lot of external skills. These are good skills to help us get through, right? And to help us to even somewhat thrive. Like I was thinking about this. This day and age, like we've learned skills like Exercise, yoga, eating well, uh, lists, clean closets for me, therapy, clean closets. And um, I was thinking, like, we've learned lots of them, and they're important, like reading, just reading to let your mind escape. I think for a while, Christians, we didn't do these things, and so we've had to learn, like, God actually created these. These are good things. So this is one I actually learned I wanted to share with you. So recently... Lori and Bruce and Jamie and I, we went to this uh, crisis training. So what it means is like if there's a crisis in Pullman, the world falls apart. We've been through the training. And um, and there, the teacher was amazing. Or like we can be sent somewhere. It's really cool though. So the training is super basic. But whether you're Baptist, whether you're Salvation Army, whether you're whatever, there's a set way that you come in and you operate. So we've learned how to do that. So we can go be a part of any of these denominations, the Assemblies of God, and we can work together. And um, she taught us this one skill. So you put your hand on your belly, right? It's breathing. God made breathing. This isn't so weird. And you breathe in, count of four. And then you breathe out for the count of seven. And you do it again. Four. Do it too long. And then out. So you think this is really crazy, but the next week, 
I was talking with somebody, and they were like so high strung and so stressed out. And I didn't put my hand on my belly because that'd be awkward. But I stood there and I just started, I went, and I breathed out. She says that people will mirror you. So as you relax, the person that's looking at you will relax. And then the person next to me, and I just started doing it intuitively. I'm like, and I started breathing in, and I breathed out. And I realized that that's a good skill. These are all external skills that anybody can learn. This is something I think that is different. That you can't have true joy. Like you can get by, you can cope, but you can't have true joy until you know God's view of you, until you know how he really sees you, and that you can't really have joy at your core until you know that that love will never change. My really good friend does all of these other things, and she keeps striving and striving and striving and trying something new. She works really hard at organizing her life, but I just don't think she's willing to accept that it could just because Jesus loves you. Like, it makes me so sad. She's one of my really good friends. Um, today, I want to share with you how this looks and how you can see this from the Bible, from the book of Habakkuk. I'd like to give you a minute to find it, it's kind of hard to find because it's really small. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to go ahead and look. I cheated and kept my pencil in there so that I could find it today without searching for a half hour. So it goes, um, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. So this is, this is my thought, why I think it's important to actually use the Bible. You don't have to agree with me because it's my personal thought. I think that if you have a Bible, instead of using a phone, that it's important because you start to... Um, you start to learn the story simply by where things are. Like, it could be confusing if you're reading something and you think it's in the New Testament, but it's actually in the Old Testament because you read things differently. I think that people won't know how to use their Bibles and they won't have a complete scope and understanding of the story of the Bible if you can't find things. That's my opinion. Um, so I encourage you to use it. And it can be kind of embarrassing sometimes if you're like, I'm just going to know where everything is in the Bible. And you're like, 10 minutes later, where is Habakkuk? For goodness sakes. So I'm giving you a lot of time to find it. And this is another thought that I've been wanting to share with you, but I'm not up front very often. So if you're like, I really want to remember to read my Bible and I really forget, um, this is something for me. Leave it. This sounds really basic, but leave it out. Like, I found this to be true. Leave it by your bed. Leave it by your couch. Leave it on the back of your toilet. Let's say there's something, a daily devotional you actually want to remember, but you always forget. Put it on the back of your toilet. And I remember so much better. It's, I don't, you're going to oh, Heidi has her Bible and her daily reading by her couch because she wants us all to think she's spiritual. No, it's because I forget. I'm telling you the truth. Since it's been out there, I remember so much more regularly. Seems so basic, but I'm like, I might as well share. Maybe, maybe it'll help you. So, I mean, I've been through Bible college and I still forget. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm super excited to share with you today from Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is a minor prophet, simply meaning it was small, right? It's not one of the big ones. Um, the prophets in the Old Testament had a job, and their job was to speak to God and to listen to God and then tell the people. That was their role. And I realized this week why I've always actually liked the prophets. They're super, like, they're super practical. And they're like, this is the way it is. This is what you need to do. They're like, um, it's like judgment. God's like, this isn't okay judgment, salvation, but I still love you. I love that. He offers like um, condemnation, like this is not working, 
you're not going in the right way, and then comfort. Like, no wonder I've always liked this. This is how I work. Don't act that way. I still love you a lot. That's kind of how I parent. So I don't know if that's good or bad. But um, so Habakkuk is, and I also like it. It's super readable. It's kind of easy to understand. And then I read it. I'm like, I have had this conversation. I have thought this. I have said this. So Habakkuk is slightly different and maybe more personal than the others because he isn't talking about God. He actually is praying. He's talking to God. So it's kind of slightly different. So we're going to start in Habakkuk 1, and I'm going to, I'm going to walk us through it. It goes in sections. So Habakkuk comes, and he talks to God. He says something, and then God responds. And then Habakkuk comes again, and he talks to God, and God responds. And in the very end, God still hasn't done what he wanted. Habakkuk is still not pleased, and he ends with a prayer. And it is a beautiful prayer. So let's start at Habakkuk 1, verse 2. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Have you said that? How long, God? Come on, I've been talking to you. I hear nothing, nothing. Come on. Like, I'm like, oh, I think I've been there. So that's where he starts. He's like, God, come on, I'm waiting. And this is the God's answer. And I feel like I've heard this too. Verse 5, 1 verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something new in your days that you would not believe. Even if I were, even if you were told. Verse 6. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. So God is saying to him, look, I'm going to do something new. But you know what? Even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. Have you heard God say, I'm going to work in your life, and I'm going to work it all out, but it's not going to be what you think it should look like, and you probably wouldn't even believe me if I told you. I've experienced that. And then he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians. So he's saying, I'm going to use your enemies to work out in you what needs to be worked out. He's like, what? He wasn't okay with this. If you read through it, he's like, no, I don't think that's how you work, God. He used his enemies. I think that means he can use cancer. He can use hard things to work it out in you. And he's like, and I'm going to do something new, and it probably wouldn't make sense to you. So Habakkuk comes back, and he says, where is that? Okay, verse 12. I think I was going to read verse 13. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God? My Holy One will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, I'm reading the wrong verse. Why does this not make sense to me? O rock, you have ordained them to punish. Verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. So why then are you tolerating the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So Habakkuk, do you see this? Habakkuk knows God really well. He's saying, God, this isn't how you work. You don't allow evil. You don't allow this to happen. And God's like, Yet I am. I am allowing it to happen. And then the Lord responds. So he still wasn't satisfied. Basically, Habakkuk, I don't like this. And God responds in the next part. And he says, write down the revelation, verse 2, 2, verse 2, and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, verse 3, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. 
and will not delay. And then just look through down here. It says verse 6, woe to him. And then verse 9, woe to him. Verse 12, woe to him. God is saying, woe, I will. I will make things right in my time. There will be justice. Sometimes don't you think that when you see like ISIS or you think like Hitler, you're like, God, where are you? What are you thinking? And this is reminding us that there is justice, that it will come. It didn't come when Habakkuk wanted it. It might not come when I want it. It might not come how I want it. But God is saying, whoa, I actually am a just God, and there will be consequences. To end, Habakkuk ends with a prayer. He still hasn't seen God do what he wanted. He still hasn't really gotten any answers he was looking for. And this is how he ends. Habakkuk 3, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. He's saying, God, I've heard what you've done. I heard that you helped somebody else in their marriage. God, I heard that you healed this other person from depression. God, I heard that you healed this person from cancer. I heard that you did this. I want you to do it now. He's not saying those things. He's saying, I've heard you like win wars before. I've heard you conquer. Why don't you come on? Come do this now. Why don't you do this now? And then he goes on in the next few verses. He says, you're even God of all creation. The sun, the moon, the rivers. He's saying, you have control of everything. You have control of everything. Why won't you come? This is the, this is the amazing part. Verses 17 through 18. This is his final. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, I think I have this verse, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, this is it, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yet, this is the very end. Even though there is no food, even though my body feels shriveled up and dried up, even though God did not do what I wanted, I will rejoice and I will be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk knew that even if he didn't save him from his circumstances, he was still the Savior of his soul and he was still capable. And that's true for us. Even though, that's the real clincher, even though you don't do what I want, even though you don't operate how I want you to, when I want you to, I believe that you are the Savior of my soul. I received a letter in the mail, I think it was two weeks ago, and I've asked permission to share a portion with you. Uh, it's personal, so listen closely. It's, it's beautiful. In the last weeks, I have come to touch the last stages of grieving, acceptance. I can tell you because I sense more freedom and joy, even though anger or depression push in occasionally. I don't really understand why the Lord uses sorrow and pain to draw us to himself. But I am beginning to trust it as a valuable tool in his you know, parenting. That's awkward. That's my little thing. Sorry. Parenting of us. So in these last few weeks, I've come to touch the last stages of grieving, acceptance. That's where Habakkuk was that, right? Even though, even though, that's where he's at. Oh, somebody's snoring. <laughs> I can tell 
because I sense more freedom and joy. Right here. And yet I rejoice and I am joyful, even though anger and depression push in. Did you know that you can experience joy when you're depressed? That's cool, huh? Weird. Makes no sense. Do you know you can push, you can experience joy when life is not going well? That's basically what Mary was saying, right? Right? It's okay. It's okay to admit. I like this line. I don't really understand why the Lord uses sorrow and pain to draw us to himself. I think Habakkuk was saying, I don't really understand. So I'll be honest with you. I took a class in school, Bible school, called Pain and Suffering or something like that. We read copious amounts of books. And I was like, I still don't get it. I, I can't get this brain. I don't think I'm dumb. But I can't get my mind around why God allows it. I can't. I even read more books because I actually like to read. So I read more and more books trying to get my brain around. Why do you do I don't know. Like her, I don't understand. I don't. And I guess I just have to be okay with that. But I'm beginning to trust in a valuable tool, his parenting of us. I thought, wow, it totally parallels Habakkuk. Um, I have a friend, this is not the same friend, but I have a friend, Angela, who says frequently, you see what's at someone's core. You see what's really there and everything's stripped away when the hard times come. You see what somebody's really made of. And this is what I, when she says that, I, I pray quietly, like in my heart, I say, God made me so. God worked this in me now. May this be true of me. That's what I do when you say that. I pray in my heart, God, may this be true of me because I know that it's true. Um, my hope, my hope so much is that this church will be full of people that are so close to Jesus and so solidly grounded that when your life is like and out of control, that you will be able to come at the end to joy. I'm not saying it has to be the first, second, third, fourth, but my hope is that that's who we are. Like that is my hope for you. Um, I told Jamie, it's kind of weird. You can't make anybody do anything. That's my hope for you so much. That you so intimately know your Savior that um, when things fall apart, you'll be able to stand strong. I have um, one last quote I wanted to share with you. Uh, it goes along with this. I read it this week last week or sometime when we read. It's by, uh, here we go. Uh, it's one more up. It's a long one. That's like the end of it. Isn't it? Yeah, one more. Okay, there. Listen to this. Try to keep your soul always in peace and quiet. Always ready for whatever our Lord may wish to work in you. Next one. It is certainly a higher virtue of the soul and a greater grace to be able to enjoy the Lord in different times and in different places than in only one. I thought I want to be so grounded that I don't just enjoy God when everything's great. No, or just when I'm with my Christian friends here. I want to be able to enjoy the Lord wherever he takes me, wherever I might find myself. Um, Lord, may we be able to enjoy you when we have not slept well when we don't know what the outcome may be, and when we are very, very lonely or afraid. I want to close today um, with kind of like a prayer over you, kind of like a modern-day, I don't know, eulogy. 
and I think that it's up there. Um, in a world where we, we make plenty of declarations with our lives, usually with our choices rather than our lips, this is what we sometimes say. Can you bring up the next one? Busy are we? Tired are we? Striving are we? Anxious are we? Frustrated are we? Stuck are we? Discontent are we? Restless are we? Jealous are we? Discouraged are we? Angry are we? Cynical are we? And ungrateful am I? Are we? Say, Lord, forgive us. We know not what we do. Lord, have mercy. And I say, let's, as a church, let's recalibrate. Let's speak something new today. And this is what we're going to say. Loving are we. Peaceful are we. This is great. Pee your pants. Good times are we. Patient are we. Good hearted are we. Faithful are we. Gentle are we. Self-controlled are we. What's so funny? Thankful are we. Content are we. Blessed are we. And of course, joyful are we. Why are you laughing? Oh, yeah, so I can't spell just like Jamie. <laughs> For real. One there and not good. Yep. I'm like, why are they laughing? That's not even funny. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to finish by praying over you. That's, that's it. Jesus, may these be true of us. When people in the community think of Pullman Foursquare, may these be the words. Make something new in us. May we be beautiful. May we be brave enough to say, okay, I want joy. May we be brave enough to sit down and look you in the face and say, I trust you. I trust you 90% or 80 or 50, whatever, enough to bring more joy. Father, may you put these things in our hearts this week. May we come back to Habakkuk because we're curious to see what he has to say. Father, thank you for this group of people. I love them so much. I pray that um, that we would grow together, that we would keep striving to find you and to look for you wherever you may be found.